0: You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. One of the biggest challenges that any trail association will face is disagreement from the community. Whether it's a trail design or decision to cut or even add certain programs, there's a good chance that someone within the community isn't going to be happy about it. And there's a possibility that some will just simply be outright angry. There can often be a perception from outside the mountain bike community, either from other trail users like hikers or equestrians or even from the land managers themselves that we as a trail organization speak for and represent all mountain bikers. Now I'm confident to say that all of us advocates know this isn't true. Mountain biking itself is a splintered and fractured sport with its many disciplines and styles. As trail associations, we should be tasked with doing what's right. And second, we should be trying to do what's best for as much of our community as possible. Now, I've mentioned this before, but my day job is as the community manager at Trailforks. When I first started my work there, I was speaking with a trail association board member, and I mentioned something about Trailforks users. They asked if I knew the only other industry besides the tech website app industry that refers to their customers as users. I was stumped. The answer? The drug and pharmaceutical industry. And my guest today uses a method commonly used in the website and app development world to make sure that whatever decisions they make as a trail organization works for the right people within their community. They've created a number of profiles of different types of people in their community, and it allows them to better understand how to appeal to each of them. Now, I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 60 of Frontlines. Frontlines. My guest is Brennan Morrow. He's a board member and Madras chapter rep for the Central Oregon Trail Alliance in Bend, Oregon, also known as CODA. Hi, Brennan. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? Good. To start things off, I just want to read over CODA's uh, mission, and and that is, uh, the primary focus shall be to design, construct, and maintain sustainable human-powered multi-use trails further coda strives to enhance the mountain bike riding experience through safety education trail stewardship public outreach and and advocacy and i think most listening are, are going to be familiar with uh with you know missions and uh and mission statements and and hopefully uh, everybody's organization that they're affiliated with has a mission statement um but what what i want to talk about today is how we kind of achieve that mission statement uh geared towards different members of the community and and so what we're looking at right now is a is a document that that you created uh and it has a number of kind of user types laid out and so you know just kind of quickly going through these you you've essentially given a, a types of people that might be in your community, you've given them a name, uh, and you've kind of given them um, what they need from Coda, their ideal communication thing is, and why break it down to really think about each person or each type of person in the community like that? What's the advantage to really kind of getting to that level of things?
1: That's a great question. So if we think about why we do what we do first and foremost, ultimately – As trail builders, we're trying to build something for others to use, probably mountain biking or hiking. Now, then we have to ask ourselves, why do they want to mountain bike or hike? And as we dive down into that, we begin to see that different people have different wants and different needs. And we actually do need something from them. Maybe we need money. Maybe we need sweat. Maybe we need tools. Maybe we need smiles or a pat on the back. Maybe we just need them to ride the trail, which is the (laughs) ultimate purpose. So by breaking down these different individuals, we basically create kind of an archetype for a kind of character that is going to go out there and ride. And then every time we try to make a solution, we can take the character and we can see if that solution is going to help or hurt them. These solutions can be more than just building a website or building a form. They're also used in the design of the trail itself, because we can take user X, knowing their profile and their human image that we've kind of given them, and see, would they like going through this section of the trail? We might say, no, that's too aggressive. Okay, that's not for them. But this user... This more aggressive user would love this part of the trail. So that's for them. So those are the concepts behind making these profiles.
0: So you've got uh, 10 of them here. And and each one of them has a, a name of some sort. There's a there's even a photo on here. Uh, there's a kind of a brief description about uh, about who they are. Kind of age uh, is included for some of these as well. And then there's a a bit of a, a kind of a few bullet points underneath of that is you know what their what their interests are, how, how often they're active, uh, that type of thing. And then you you ask the question, you know, what do they need from Coda? Uh, what communication media do they? use? use and then what does coda need from them? Why ask those questions and, and why have this information
1: about each of these these uh, character types? So effectively we want to serve this person to the highest level we can serve them. But to be able to do that, we have to kind of know who they are. And so there's a couple simple things. We're going to kind of build some characteristics that might follow that person. Then We want to know what we need to get from them. What do we want from them? Let's just be honest. You know, right from the start, we want something. It's it's not mean. It's not selfish. But the organization wants something from each of these users. And then in turn, each of these users want something from us. It's just that simple. So Mm -hmm. when we define those right on the table, no BS about it, then we can figure out how we deliver that. And by defining the ways that... The user communicates that helps us to be able to communicate our message or their needs in the most effective way possible.
0: So the first one that I'm looking at here is, uh, is Jane, who's a 30 to 50 fit woman, just kind of going through some of the, the bullet points here, participates two to three times a week, uh, has a full time job, uh, maybe kids rides before or after work. Um, you know, you've got uh, you know what Coda needs from them is is you know volunteer for work parties, uh, potentially trained to, be, to become a, a volunteer, uh, ride new trails, understand the responsibilities of uh, of riders. You know, how did this character type kind of get created, or how is this added to the list of of, of people that that you have in your community?
1: So Jane is actually um, represented by two of the members on our board. Jane is also the largest or the fastest growing mountain bike audience, in my opinion, and there's some statistics showing that. So Jane is really unique from a trail builder's point of view, because uh, Jane is this classic fit woman that's getting out there, but this group works in actual groups. They like riding together and in groups. And in the Central Oregon region, we have a couple different kind of group clubs and they are powerhouses. They show up sometimes a hundred strong to different group rides or group events. So this user base becomes very powerful because they're looking for group things. Central Oregon Trail Lines is a group in effect. And in turn, Central Oregon Trail Alliance is looking for groups that have cohesion right from the start so that when we do a work party, there's already a nice little hierarchy of how things are going to get done and a communication structure that's already been internally worked. So this group is a powerhouse to give to CODA and to get from CODA. The funny thing was, as we developed this group, be it that One of our, uh, or a couple of our board members are represented in this group. They really were like, wow, once we laid it out, wow, that kind of is very much me. (laughs) I I understand. And so once you can get somebody in the group and you give them these parameters and they feel like that's them, you know, you actually hit the archetype for that user base. Cause you're not going to make, you don't want to call it Mary if Mary's on your board and she actually is kind of the you know the character it's too humanistic you want to give a name that nobody has for the most part and then work with that this jane type character uh what is what does she need that might be unique compared to the other characters that we're going to go through so uh she needs uh social connection and community and she needs knowledge of group rides that are focused for women in classes also like In defining that, you know, longer discussion than just a bullet point would be they want classes on how to maintain their bike. They want classes on how to ride or group activities on how to ride where they feel supported by the whole group. That user group has a lot of this group mentality basically. So when we We as Coda make events that we want them to be, uh, that we want to really focus to Jane. We would be focusing on things that are going to accent the community nature or the uh, community support, because that will also help that user base quite a bit. Because we're, we're delivering the same skills, how to build a trail, how to maintain a trail, how to scout a trail, but we can deliver them in a way that is most effective for Jane if we target these things. And so the next one you've got here is uh, is
0: Joe Dirt. He's a 30 to 45-year-old old-school mountain biker. Uh, some of the, the main kind of descriptors that I, I have here is uh, does not use Strava, dislikes heavy trail use, likes the technical stuff. Does not use Facebook very often. Uh, generally grumpy. Uh, rides alone. You know, this is a very specific kind of description of of somebody out there, right? Why Why is it so helpful to kind of be this specific about the type of
1: person that you're dealing with? Very, <laughs> because it built a picture in your mind, didn't it? I mean, just reading that off, <laughs> you know, Joe Dirt, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You totally know Joe Dirt. We all do. Joe Dirt is the first ones that cut the mountain bike trails. And eventually, they get a grumpy and they kind of go off on their own. And they go out in the woods and like build a mountain bike trail no one's at. Then people show up and start using it. Then they get grumpy. They have to maintain that trail. And they go off and work some more. And they're an awesome group because they're experts at the highest level, right? Coda was founded by all Joe Dirt's. And the crazy thing is that eventually the population of Ben got so high that Joe Dirts got very frustrated, very, very frustrated. And now we don't really have very many Joe Dirts. They definitely don't even do anything with the board. They are very much out there and they kind of go to their own little spot and do their thing all by themselves for the most part because they're Joe Dirt.
0: And how would uh, a group like Coda try to keep a Joe Dirt happier or keep them engaged within the
1: community, keep them you know, helpful? That is the great question. That's why we had to make a card for Joe Dirt. First off, we figured out Joe Dirt likes free beer. <laughs> free beer and Joe Dirt go together pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> also, they need a calendar of work events from us and they need some freaking tools and to be kind of left alone a little bit right sometimes they need that calendar of work events because they don't want to go out when everybody else is going out it's the inverse or the converse to the actual calendar because they're going to go out with a smaller group and they're highly effective right but they're going to need their own time and space to do their thing
0: and uh and then the next one here you've got uh daddy uh daddy casey uh and so this is kind of a a, a father uh, going out riding with, uh, with their kid, you know, rides once a week, uh, type of thing, you know, what are they looking for out there that, uh, that is unique for than, than other folks that are out there.
1: So, uh, daddy Casey is a really awesome kind of audience to, to look at daddy Casey kind of, uh, is, is, uh, is growing into being a parent but in turn is losing a little bit of his connection both to community service and to physical activity and is just now refinding it because the the kid's grown up enough that they can push themselves on a strider or something like this, kind of connecting the athlete inside him he might have had at an earlier part of his life and connecting it to his connection time with his son or his child. Could be a girl boy, but we're going with a boy for, for our archetype because it makes a really clean picture. We probably all know a Daddy Casey in here, right? Heck, I think you're going into Daddy Casey mode, aren't you? I think I might identify with that
0: one the most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, and the next one here is uh, is is Stephanie, the the Forest Service agent. So that you've got here works for Uncle Sam. So this is uh, this is somebody with the land manager. In, in your case, generally, you're working with the Forest Service, but you know, this person could be with uh, with any land manager group. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, every trail association works with. A land manager and works with many employees of of that land manager, but why add them to this list? Like for me, when I kind of think about this list, I think more of of trail users and not necessarily of of the land managers. In in that respect, I kind of think of more of the membership of the local trail association. Uh, why include somebody like this with the with the actual uh, land manager itself?
1: Yes, Stephanie. Stephanie, as a land manager, um, is actually a critical audience, and we didn't actually put her in here until we got fully done with this list. And of course, our list here is bigger than I I might make for most other projects. But as trail builders for a large area, we have a bigger audience, more dispersed than anybody, any other service we might do. In the case of Stephanie. She's really actually important because we, if we were to get up on a box in front of the courthouse and we're going to speak to everybody around, right, that wants to hear the glorious words about trail building or something on this, Stephanie is going to be the person in the back that was paid to go there because she has to. And she has to take notes and then go back and write them back down, put them into a log paper. And then at some point, we're going to have to work with Stephanie to do something in the future. So she's always in the audience, and we all think we're not talking to her, but we are. So in the case of our our trail work, why don't we just talk to her or at least know that we're talking to her and know what she wants from us and what we want from her? Because when we dive down into that, these land managers are key pieces to the puzzle. And the next one here is, uh, I really like this. So this is
0: uh Gary getter done. Uh, and definitely I know, uh, of a Gary in, uh, in, in where I first started kind of mountain biking here on the, the, the West coast in, in British Columbia, there was definitely a trail builder and his name was Gary indeed. This individual is, you know, 45, between the ages of 45 and, and 70, uh, loves working on trails, easygoing, likes to be an expert on the things that he does, uh, you know, retired, uh, spends many days in the woods, hiking, biking, and, and simply just enjoying, uh, the forest and, and generally enjoys being of service uh to others and i think i think in a lot of ways uh, i would i would argue to say that most communities have someone like this or potentially a few people like this and in some respects i think a lot of the initial work of a of a community's trail network was reliant on on this individual
1: yes you are 100% right i'm pretty sure i think we talked about this at one point and <laughs> yeah. basically Gary is not only the, the key component in most of our trail organizations, his name is probably Gary. In every trail organization, yeah. it seems there is a Gary who is a key player like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we did talk about this. I, I remember us having a conversation. This might've been a, a year ago or, or, or even longer, but when I first started working with with trail forks uh, about five years ago, I started to kind of see a bit of a trend of, of Gary's responding to emails to the point where I, I started trail associations that I couldn't get a response from that I wasn't hearing from. I started just cold calling some of them, just finding a random number that was related to uh, the trail association or... I'd, i would call a bike shop in the town and just ask for gary and uh, it didn't work every time but i would say probably one in five times i would find a gary and gary would help me out <laughs> and kind of get things sorted it was really amazing i was like wow it's actually this is actually working there's a gary out there and and uh you know i, I remember one time i called and i asked for gary and and uh and and they said i think this was in uh uh, uh i can't remember now this is somewhere on the east coast and I said, uh, do you mean Jerry, maybe? And I, and I just rolled with, I said, yeah, no, Jerry, that's it. <laughs> and sure enough, Jerry was really helpful. So Jerry was the Gary of that town. <laughs> This is great. So how do you keep, how do you keep a Gary? I mean, this Gary sounds like somebody that's, that's you know, going to be pretty happy and is probably going to want to stick around, but how do you make sure that you don't lose a Gary and, and how do you transition, you know, the bulk of a lot of the initial work, uh, from a Gary to perhaps new people? Like, how do you, uh, what's the sustainability of, of keeping somebody or, or keeping the energy that a Gary has and, and, and keeping that rolling?
1: Well, Gary, if you're listening and you have any pointers, we definitely could take those pointers. But in our own organization, we have three characters that I would characterize as Gary. Um, One of them is actually named Gary. Maybe he'll listen to this podcast. Um, He, actually, those three guys, they are the three top volunteers of the entire organization. How do you keep Gary? How do you keep him happy? Well, Gary's kind of happy to begin with, and he is going to pour in effort into the organization, right? Trying to make sure Gary doesn't burn out is really good. Gary often doesn't want a lot of credit, truly humble guy, right? So you can't give him stuff. He has, Gary's got his stuff, like he has the stuff he wants in life. He's got his tools and so on, right? You got to ask yourself, what is Gary's why? And Gary's why is really noble. It is simply to make the world the best place it can be. And it's Gary's not trying to make it a better place. Gary's just trying to make it the best place it can be. And so in that way, any way that you can make the world the best place it can be is going to make Gary more intrigued in, in investment in his time. Gary is also going to be often resistant to change, but will also be the early adopter. So our own Gary, for example, doing the, the, snow, uh, the snow bike season, doing a lot of machine hours, running uh, a whole subset of team to work that team. When we migrated to trail forks for our work logging in the early part of this year, it most affected him because he was literally deployed during that time. And now he has to immediately change. And we tried to prepare this deployment to happen, you know, at a time that everybody wasn't deployed. So we don't have lots of learning curve all at the same time. So Gary had some questions, was a little challenged by it. Uh, He saw that Trevor and Brent both responded. People at the top level of trail forks cared they actually just cared trying to give him the best tools possible, even if they weren't what he wanted right away. And he immediately adapted. And then he went beyond adapting. He dove down into the infinite depths of the Trail Forks uh, platform, which is truly a huge, gigantic hole <laughs> of information and started teaching himself stuff that was top end and might blow you away that Gary had such a skill set because often we'd think of Gary as not being technology advanced one of our Gary's actually still has a flip phone it was pretty amazing that we actually had that kind of adoption so Gary is a getter done it doesn't matter if it's technology if it's a trail if it's people he is committed to progress and that is such a beautiful thing I really love Gary's out there well, it's funny how, you know, the, this, uh,
0: you think of people or, you know, people with these character types, right. And, and, you know, there's a couple things that you mentioned there, like the, the grooming of fat bike trails. I, there's like at least five, six different people that I've spoken to over the, over the past winter in various communities in my, in my role with trail forks. And I'm like, oh, that's definitely the Gary getter done. They are the ones, you know, grooming those winter trails, grooming those, those fat bike trails. Right. Uh, that's a, that's a huge undertaking for somebody to do. Right. And, and then even, you know, when you mentioned the flip phone thing, I think, I think our, our Gary getter done, which, which would be uh digger, uh, here on the North shore. I I'm pretty sure he's on a smartphone now, but, uh, but yeah, he was on the flip phone for a very long time. Right. Like it's, it's kind of, you know, Generally, I think in life, we we try not to generalize and put people in boxes, but at the same time, you know, when you're trying to develop something and you're trying to make sure that you're catering to lots of different people, I think it's helpful to kind of think about this stuff and, and kind of think about these various targets, but at the same time to put an individual spin on them. So it, it's really neat to kind of see how much these people are, are just kind of jumping out at me as like, oh, I know this person, right? It's, it's, this is really cool.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. I'm glad you're getting the fact that this makes a feeling for you, that is the most important part of this whole profile system is that it spawns a feeling of of knowing that person because once that feeling is encompassed, anytime you take an action and you want to see if Gary Gitter Dunn, for example, is going to be affected in a positive or negative way because you can kind of feel the Gary Gitter done, you can visually see him, say, Ride the piece of trail that you're building, or use the mobile app you're building, or use the website you're building, or read the pamphlet. And you can picture Gary doing it and say, oh, he'd freak out about this part. He hates that. (laughs) That's the, the key to the whole profile system. Yeah, yeah. So
0: moving on to the next one here, we've got fast Freddy, uh, 25 to 50. So this is, you know, described as a Strava athlete, rides three to five times a week, you know, has the, the, the family, the two and a half kids family, white picket fence kind of thing. This definitely jumps out at me. This is certainly uh, somebody uh, that I know are definitely a huge portion of the membership that's out there. You know, this person's obviously wanting races and events and, and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, so Fast Freddy is actually a really big trail user group. I'm not sure what percentage Fast Freddies would be, but I personally kind of fall in the Fast Freddy profile, and I know a lot of other users that do. So they're kind of competitive and in nature, but deep inside they want to compete with themselves most of all to make themselves the best person they can be. And they can be easily like sucked into – the kind of competing against someone else sort of mentality. So Fast Freddy's are a really good audience to try to to work to for a lot of reasons, so some of the things they're trying to get from our organization is trail conditions because they want to go ride the trails in prime conditions, and they want to give 100%. When things are at their 100%, they want to hit that perfect moment so they're at the perfect zen for themselves. They want to know about trail closures so they know where to go. Maps and directions for trails that would match their skills. And, of course, Trail Forks is the go-to on this one. So they're going to be touching that a lot. Fast Freddy is never opposed to free beer. Fast Freddy likes beer. Um, They're going to communicate with Strava, Facebook, from the website, and sometimes YouTube. And what we wanted from them was probably very unique because the obvious thing is Fast Freddy's, are going to go out there and hit the trails, man. And they're going to pound the trails with love and devotion. They're the guys that are going to put in 75 miles in a day sometimes just because they can. So with that, it becomes really easy that, well, why don't we get them to ride new trails? Because that will help roll them in. So if we talk to this audience, that'd be a nice thing to get from them. The next thing that we wanted is don't mess it up. Because a lot of times the Fast Freddies will try to push the line when the trails are not are muddy or would damage the trails. So what we want from them is not messing stuff up. And they probably want that too, but you, you never know. They get kind of excited. They get antsy. We wanted them to understand the responsibilities of the rider. So there was a kind of a coin phrase Strava hole at one point. And <laughs> so Fast Freddy could easily get sucked into becoming a Strava hole if he didn't understand the responsibilities of the rider.
0: And I think there's some similarities to the next one here, which is downhill Donny. so a little bit younger, potentially not uh not a family person, although it could be. Um, but this is somebody that that you know if the shuttle's there they're they're gonna want to take it uh, you know that that adrenaline junkie. But you have here like similar you know avoid as far as what Kodo needs from them, you know, avoid riding or damaging trails and and understanding the responsibility of riders very similar to that fast Freddie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Downhill Donnie, we have one uh downhill Donny on our board, uh, which is actually really good. We needed to bring one on board because downhill Donnies often don't participate in trail organizations, mm. but they actually do a lot of trail work. They're not always active, but they make great ramps, berms, etc. Uh, but they're hard to get involved. So Figuring out how to kind of talk to Downhill Donnie, because Get Her Done Gary and Downhill Donnie have a conflict of personality. Once we start taking these personalities we build, we can start to see that there's kind of inherent challenges with certain personalities. So basically, if I'm going to have a a work party for Downhill Mm -hmm. Donnie, I'm probably not going to really gear to getting uh, Get Her Done Gary out there. I'm going to go for some of the other user types in my recruitment. Mm. And ultimately, Downhill Donnie can destroy trails if he's not educated. (laughs) I mean, how many ruts have been groomed this year alone because of Downhill Donnie? And he can also get riders a bad name. We often, with the other user groups, horses and otherwise, we we as mountain bikers can be most hurt by the downhill Donnie mentality because they go freaking fast and they're awesome. But if it's not the right trail or the right time, it can be a real issue.
0: Which is why it's so important to to kind of get to them, right? To be able to communicate to them and, and have them working for us rather than against us.
1: Yes, that's, that is so true. And so reaching out to downhill Donnie, what we did figure out was that YouTube was the potentially the best um, way to reach out to downhill Donnie and direct kind of human interaction with our other group. But honestly, now that we have a downhill Donnie on the board, watching his mentality in, in board organizations has been great because downhill Donnie would probably change his profile a little if I was to be writing it right now. Interesting. Uh,
0: and the last one here you've got is, is Corporate Joe. And so uh, who is who is this character
1: type? So Corporate Joe is really interesting. So he's uh, a little bit like Fast Freddy, but maybe just a little bit older. So Corporate Joe, we built this profile because what we realized is that we have a lot of businesses that want to give money to us. They really do. And we're a pretty uh, flush uh, organization where money isn't hugely needed by us. Because we can only, if we don't have things to use it on, it just, it's not hugely valuable to us. But we want to make sure that corporate Joe also feels a part of this. And so he's running a business and he's looking for respect from the community. He's athletically minded, works out, uh, has a routine, uh, working to be the best he can be. He wants to build a better community. He wants to see his people and the surrounding area achieve the most they can. And he's also looking for services in the tourist community. So, you know, there's a kind of a whole niche with our, commun- uh, with our tourism towards mountain biking. And Corporate Joe really kind of lies in that realm in, in our audience base.
0: Now, there's, there's two things that kind of jump out at me with this. And and the first is that if I could have a board of directors that was made up of these eight people, I feel like that would be a really strong board of directors.
1: I agree. Actually, we just had our board meeting uh, last night. And so as I looked through the audience throughout us talking about these folks, I think you've heard me say multiple of these people are actually on our board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the create, not the for-service agent, she's watching over from the sidelines, but actually every single one of these characters sits on our board now. And it didn't start that way. But after writing these user profiles and then catering our websites, our actions, and the, our systems, what's happened is over the course of the last few years, our audience has balanced where we have about two Janes. We have you know, about a half of Joe Dirt, the the Joe Dirt character kind of weaned his way. He doesn't work well on boards anyways, <laughs> but um, he usually, is, Joe Dirt's the one that like messes up the board meeting, kind of can throw a fit about stuff, get hung up on a detail. So, but we have somebody that's connected to Joe Dirt's. Maybe good on a steering committee, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's really good on a smaller committee or in chapters, not have to showing up to a board meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with their, he's definitely key in all chapters. And then Daddy Casey didn't show up for the board meeting, but we definitely have a Daddy Casey. Yeah. Gary Gitter Dunn, we had two or three show up to our board meeting. I think one was out at some other uh, event he had to do. Uh, Fast Freddy, I would represent that guy. Downhill Donnie, I told you we he's a new recruit onto our board because we started catering our website our facebook our events everything we started to take into account uh downhill donnie and all of a sudden we have a downhill donnie which is a hard one to get on a board because mm-hmm. it doesn't match up with that c- character base very well yeah, yeah so you've kind of mentioned it and you have been alluding to it but how, like
0: how how often are you referring to this When it comes to making decisions, developing things, rolling out stuff like how, how big is this for, for making your decisions and and kind of the everyday operation of, of the trail association?
1: So this user profile system has a greater effect than just the characters we outline here. It protects us as a board and as a group. Uh, When we take any action, because it is guaranteed that they're going to be ready to lynch us. You know, every prophet was also lynched throughout our historical documentation. And every board that's going to do something great can anticipate being lynched at some point. And so upon the lynching, this little documentation describing our characters' outlines in a very clear format what action we took, and who we were trying to serve in our audience. And as such, it might not have been a perfect action, but at least we can say, yes, we were trying to serve Jane with this action. It was specifically focused to her. So you, my friend, are more like a Gary And we actually weren't trying to serve you in this action. I'm sorry. It wasn't for you, Gary. It was for Jane. And that's why you don't like it. But Jane, do you like it? Dun-dun. We won with Jane. But Gary, we'll get something done for you next. Awesome. Uh, well, Brennan, I want to thank you so
0: much for taking the time to to chat with me about this. I think this is a, a really cool way to kind of look at things. And it's definitely something that, uh, that since we first had this, this conversation about this, I, I think it's coming up on a, on a year now. You know, I've, I've started to implement some of these ideas for the work that I do at Trail Forks, but also the work that I do with my local trail association. You know, how do we cater to different people? And I think it's something that, Uh, a lot of trail associations are going to benefit from. So thanks so much for sharing this with us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the the time to to share this with with our audience here. Hopefully it helps all of us because I want to see us all succeed at the best level.
0: Awesome. Likewise. I also want to thank Rocky Blondin of the Fraser Valley Mountain Bikers Association. On a long car ride to the Mountain Bike Tourism Symposium in 2017, he actually introduced me to this concept of user types, something Rocky uses at his day job. Next episode, will be joined by a panel of guests from the Southern Off-Road Bicycle Association, more commonly known as SORBA. And we'll be releasing that episode a day early on Thursday, April 18th, just before the Easter long weekend. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can send me an email or audio file to info at FrontlinesMTB.com. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. Huge thanks to Mark and Ernest for supporting the podcast with donations. If you'd like to support the show via PayPal, you can find a link in the show notes along with a link to the Frontline's MTB Book Club where a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. I'm happy to report that we're just in the black right now with the podcast. Thank you everybody who's made donations, but please don't stop because there's always more expenses to come. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevear. Production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative, and big thanks to Ben Walnock and the team at Mountain Bike Radio for their continued support. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.